It is the most fan, one of the most fantastic, life-changing things of my life. It is similar to this blues jam where you have like these two artists and they're bringing things. It's a little bit of a, when people sample some things we've worked on together, it's a little bit of a duet. Michael Mazurek is a vegetable breeder at Cornell University who serves grower needs through improving disease and insect resistance as well as flavor. He's talking there about his partnership with celebrity chef Dan Barber. We'll get to that in a minute, but first I wanted to know about Michael's work on the QCAP. We sat down here in Davis, California at Cucurbitaceae 2018, and I asked him about his work for the Cucurbit Coordinated Agricultural Project. Michael runs an active and diverse plant breeding program that uses genetic approaches to increase disease resistance and improve quality and nutrition for both conventional and organic producers. Yeah, the QCAP project, it's really exciting because because it's addressing a lot of needs and some crops that really haven't had investment and hasn't really brought the community together before. As we have these investments and to help understand disease resistance and create tools to breed healthier crops, um, what that translates to is we have crops that are much more sustainably produced, uh, fewer pesticides, and it increases people's reliable access to these. Um, and by having some of the tools to uh, work on the disease resistance in the background, take care of the barriers, we can really focus on uh, flavor and all the qualities that we love in the produce by taking away some of what was otherwise preoccupying us and just getting the harvest in the first place. His work is really helping shed new light on an age-old plant breeding process. So in, in plant breeding, um, still a really big part of what we do involves um, some very historical methods. Cross-pollination is, well, the bees learned it well before us, but so that's a deceptively simple process. If you look at a cross-pollination uh, and just creating a plant from that, that um, seems very simple, like not much is going on uh, on the surface, and actually you're recombining tens of thousands of different genes. Um, and as we're doing a lot of the evaluations going forward to get some of the really empirical data about yield, productivity, taste, um, that part is really accessible and um, a lot of people can do it. Um, but I think what people often don't see is um, how much of the technology we can bring in to analyze that process. A lot of the plants um, in, our, in my fields are uh, we have a, a genome sequence of almost everything we work on. And what that allows is a very kind of a CSI approach. We're bringing a lot of technology to analyze the process, understand how we can expedite it, be more effective, um, find characteristics before the plant even grows to fruiting. Um, so there's a lot of that technology um, that's guiding a very a very, very historical process. Um, the other thing is um, there are really great cultivars coming out of universities, land-grant universities among them, where we've been behind the scenes in a lot of the produce, a lot of the seeds, a lot of the plant improvement that goes on in the food system. Um, plant breeding has been changing crops for millennia. We've tended to think how we see things are. The plants must have always been that way. So it's 
Uh, and it's because we've had some very kind of static commodity categories. So as we're getting these, you know, some of the things that people are getting to see now is like how much diversity is really out there. Um, and to see to what degree some of the, the public plant breeders are really behind and have been a lot of the pedigrees that go into all of the food we eat. One of Michael's specialties is trying to bring the flavor back to cucurbits. I was curious why the flavor is gone and, and where did it go and how do we bring it back? Flavor in vegetables used to be much more common in heirlooms and that's because that's when people were much more re engaged in the whole breeding process and saving seed from what they enjoyed. Um, but as agriculture has gone to its global scheme and as we've developed these commodity classes um, that's constraining the diversity uh, that's there and once you constrain the diversity um, there's only so many things you can select for in a breeding project and you have if you have to go for an exact precise size and shape uh, bell peppers with four lobes in a perfect cube are one of those things where um, you know, for me, I really ask, well, why does it need to be that way? How does it actually help the consumer, the retailer all along? And uh, if you remove that constraint, you're free to focus on other things like the flavor, just because there's only so many things you can juggle. And if you make that the top priority, you deprioritize everything else. So where does his passion for flavor restoration come from? Turns out childhood. So all the crops I breed, and I breed quite a few different types, it's all linked back to things I just loved eating as a child. And I know for squash in particular, that was like that first taste of solid food I had. And I've been kind of just chasing, uh, I think, just that. Uh, whatever I felt on that first taste, I've been just kind of chasing it ever since and trying to uh, do that memory full justice. So this brings us to the Row 7 Seed Company, created by Michael, along with Chef Dan Barber and seedsman Matthew Goldfarb. Row 7 Seeds works in the field and kitchen alongside chefs, breeders, growers, and eaters who share their mission to reimagine food from the ground up. What this kind of trio and as it is expanded is it's really taking the conversation about flavor, um, and bringing it to vegetables, uh, produce, plants, where we can really start to look at what's possible if the people that can create uh, new produce, which becomes new ingredients, can work directly with the chefs that are the experts in how to present and interpret and pair flavor. Um, and it's a, it's a way to be able to share a lot of great new produce with um, that otherwise doesn't really get a chance uh, to get out in the world. Um, uh, some of the things that we've released in our launch um, is some of the new uh, squashes we've worked on for much greater flavor and being very mindful of the techniques. What would a chef do and how to interpret um, kind of their kind of leadership in some flavor and presentation. Um, 
and uh, a pepper I'd worked on a while ago, habanada, which really captures the flavor of a habanero without the heat. And it's really amplified um, opportunities for other plant breeders that are working on really cool projects to have a chance to share them. Erwin um, Goldman uh, has fantastic beet without the earthy jasmine flavor. Um, and so it's delicious. Uh, and uh, Walter DeYoung at Cornell had this fantastic little creamer potato that's also um, now we're the, the first to share and to kind of take in new directions, things that a chef would really like and would be in uh, some of these very prestigious restaurants and have a chance for everybody to, to get access to these uh, great new vegetables and really create some change where I think we'll be able to support much more of this happening in the future. Mm -hmm.